Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Lily Griesheimer, the women's pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. We are so glad that you've joined us today as we continue with our series, Finish Strong. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Nick. He'll be teaching from Joshua 3, walking us through the story of the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. Now here's Nick. Good morning. So, well, how you doing? Just first off, let's get that out of the way. Like, everybody doing okay this morning? You feeling, it feels great outside. So this week, I encountered a story, and I really hope this turns out to be true. I hope that it's not like in a year from now, we're looking on Snopes or one of those websites that tells you what all the fake stories are, the urban legends or the myths that are out there in the world. Like, I really hope this one turns out to be true because it's super heartwarming, um, and it's just going to make a difference for you. Maybe you heard about this, maybe you didn't, but here we go. An 11-year-old boy, we got a picture of him, his name is Romeo, which, I mean, come on, right? So this 11-year-old boy named Romeo Cox uh, set out from the city of Palermo in Sicily on June the 20th of this summer with his father, Phil, and they walked 1,700 miles from Palermo all the way to London. They went through Italy, Switzerland, France for 93 days, 1,700 miles, which I'm assuming if someone does math in the room that this is the actual ratio, 1,700 miles equals 2,800 kilometers. That's why people run marathons. Uh, They did this so that Romeo could visit his grandmother um, who had been locked down for all of COVID in the UK. They fought back a pack of feral dogs. And I've always heard of feral cats and I didn't really know what it was. I just assumed that it was a thing. And so I had to look it up this week when I read the story. I was like, feral dogs, what does it mean? It just means wild dogs. Okay. So they, they fought off a pack of wild dogs in Rome and they even tamed a wild donkey, which I'm assuming that means the donkey was feral too. Um, they tamed a wild donkey to help carry their pack parts of the way. Um, they got to the UK and they isolated for 14 more days to make sure that they were safe and that they got a negative COVID test before they finally got to see their granny. This arduous journey, it took boats, bicycles, and the donkey in order to be able to get it. But Romeo said over and over again that it was an easy walk to go thousands of miles because he knew that he was going to see his grandmother. They slept in churches, they slept in hostels, they slept outside in campgrounds and just out in the woods. Um, They even had people along the way open up their homes to them. Romeo said that we got lost a few times. And they even slept under a wasp nest, which wasn't a good idea. Um, And his feet got bloody, but they never thought about giving up. Reflecting on the journey, he said this, as we got closer, I just kept thinking about seeing my granny and how excited I was. I can't wait. I love these beeps. I can't wait. He said, this is sweet. You're going to say, oh, I can't wait to give her a cuddle because it's been over a year since I last saw her. And she's been all alone during the lockdown. His efforts raised more than 11,000 pounds, which I didn't do the conversion on that. It's a lot of dollars to raise money for a charity that his mother happens to run called the Refugee Education Across Conflicts Trust. Stands for REACT. Selfless Romeo totally absorbed himself in his mission, making friends along the way, knowing that his efforts were going to give money to kids. You see, when he moved to Sicily from London, where his family was from, 
for his mother to head this trust, he didn't know anybody. And some of the refugee children were the first to befriend him and helped him learn the language. What he understood because of lockdown was that it was going to take a lot of money to buy tablets for these kids to keep up with their education and to pay for the Wi-Fi in the refugee camp that they lived, and he wanted to help. Because they became his friends, he wanted to make sure that they could get online and do their studies and be able to learn in this ever-increasing digital world. 1,700 miles in order to see your grandmother and help some other people along the way. You see the multi-purpose going on? You you see like the dual purpose. Hey, I'm going to get to see my grandmother and visit her and bless her life, but I'm also going to raise some money for some disadvantaged kids along the way. As soon as I read that story, I immediately went back to 2003 and I thought of that song that the Proclaimers song, you know, the Scottish band, I would walk 500 miles. You know that one? And I would walk 500 more just to, and I thought 500 miles, 500, that's only a thousand. This kid did 1700 and then that song goes, I don't like songs that only have a syllable. A lot of worship songs only have a syllable. Like they're like, fa la 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 la. That's just lazy writing. Come on with some actual lyrics that we can sing along to. But that song was playing in my head over and over and over again this week because Romeo walked more than a thousand miles. And then it got me thinking about how far I would be willing to go and how far I would, in whatever case, be willing to walk and what sort of purpose we could accomplish with a journey just like that. We're in the middle of a series called Finish Strong. And if you saw that crown that was being carried in in our bumper video, many of you remember that crown because we put it together week after week when we were at Belmont, the Belmont Heights Baptist Church campus and the Rolling Hills Community Church campus, praying every time we assembled that crown that God would provide a location for us to go once we had to leave Belmont, that there would be a permanent home for our campus and had no idea that through this idea of for the kingdom, we would end up right here, right now today, trusting that God has a plan for our steps too. And that's a little bit the story of Israel. As they made their way out of slavery in Egypt, as they made their way through a wilderness, going the long way around the peninsula in order to enter into some land that their ancestors, all the way back to Abraham, had been promised by God to give. And you know Moses, he's one of the most famous characters in all of scripture. And you read a lot about his story from baby in a basket to killing an Egyptian to being the prince over the land, but to going and becoming a shepherd and then being called by God to go and rescue his people, being a reluctant leader, taking his brother along, like this whole circumstance over and over and over, water from a rock, tablets written in stone, miracles happening left and right, manna from heaven, getting up to the morning and finding quail. God is taking care of his people and leading them on a journey. And then Moses is going to die. And God says, you don't get to go all the way. 1,700 miles or more you've come, but you're not going to get to go all the way. And the Lord said to Moses, this is in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. Go to the tent, this tabernacle, this place that you've set up according to my instructions, made out of acacia wood. We'll talk about acacia wood. Get together and I'm going to commission him as the new leader. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared. I really want God to appear. I want to wake up every morning with a fresh view of who he is and what he's done and what he's called us to. 
I want to be able to clearly detect the direction that he's going so that I can stay close behind and follow him along the journey, whether it's 1,700 miles or 17,000 miles or just 17 steps to my neighbor next door. I want to follow where he's leading. And so I'm constantly imagining, how can we see God? And once I get to see God, how can we show other people so that they can see God? Maybe the best way to see God is to present yourself before him. You see what they did? They, they presented themselves at the tent of meeting, and then the Lord appeared. Maybe sometimes we failed to see God because we failed to present ourselves before God, to come to him, to open up his word, to say, I'm here, Lord. You want to say something to me? I'm here and I'm ready to show up at church on a Sunday morning, even in this season of life, to gather on Sunday mornings online, to do what it takes to be in the presence of God so that you can see the face of God. Maybe the reason why people don't see God is because they failed to present themselves to God. And so we want to do that. And so you get to the book of Joshua. Kelly Mentor did an incredible job last week kicking off this book of the Bible with us in chapter one and all the different times that chapter one says over and over again, be strong and courageous. Like God reassuring Joshua over and over. I know you're not Moses, but don't be scared. You've got this. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to show you where to go, but I'm also going to be with you every step of the way. Now there's a difference between readiness to move and eagerness to get ahead. Because we never want to get so far ahead of God that we can't see where he's going. And you gather that from reading just the first couple of verses of Joshua chapter 3. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. Now that word Shittim in some of your Bibles is going to say acacia because we're talking about that kind of wood. Because that's literally the Hebrew word for acacia, which is a type of tree. And it's the type of tree that God had specifically told the Israelites, hey, you're going to build the Ark of the Covenant that you're going to carry everywhere you go out of acacia wood, Shittim wood. You're going to build the poles to the tent of meeting. You're going to build the platforms and you're going to build all of the structures and everything, the table that goes inside, everything that you build that's going to help you worship and honor God and carry me with you along the journey is going to come from specifically this type of wood. And they went into the Jordan where they camped before crossing over, like Romeo and his dad, Phil. And after three, verse two days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move the Ark of the Covenant that was made out of acacia wood, shittim wood. When you see that Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. When you see God move, you better already have your shoes on because we're going to move and follow him. Wherever it, he says, go. If it's West Nashville, if it had been East Nashville, it had been South Nashville, wherever God said go, we were a people of God growing up, reaching out, growing up and giving our all, hoping and praying and trusting that wherever God said go, we would be ready to follow him. So when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and Levitical priests that are carrying you are to move from your positions and follow it, then you will be able to know. I would underline this verse in my Bible. Then you will know which way to go. Here you go. Since you have never been this way before. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why we don't see God, 
why we don't know how to follow God is because we're busy looking for God in all the places he's been before when he might be standing there ready for us to present ourselves to him so that he can take us somewhere new. Our family, we vacation on the coast of North Carolina every single summer. And not only have I done it for the past 20 years, as long as I've been a part of this family of mine, my wife and my father-in-law and all of them, they have been going to this same beach town their entire lives. My father-in-law, since he was like two years old, he's been visiting the same little town on the coast of North Carolina every single year, multiple times a year for his entire life. And we have too. Our kids have been to Oak Island, North Carolina every single summer, sometimes more than once with their grandparents or with Susan and I, since they've been alive. It's great to have some familiarity. We know it. It's recognizable. But Susan and I have this desire that we'd also get to take them to some places that they've never been before. Sometimes we can get so stuck looking at all the places that God has taken us, experiencing all the ways that we've experienced him before, that we miss out on the chance for him to take us somewhere new, to do something new, to show us something new about himself and his love. And we want to be ready for both. All the familiar ways that God has worked, all the faithful ways that he has proven himself over and over and over and over again. But that doesn't mean that presenting yourself to God won't sometimes lean and lead you to a place that's new. Verse 4 continues, it says, But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, and do not go near it. Now, of course, this was a good instruction, because if they had gone near the ark, or if they had touched the ark, they would have died. It was too holy. It was too much close to the presence of God. They needed to stay back. But there's also a practical application there. Don't get ahead. If we did a survey this morning of anybody in their life who has some sort of story of where you got ahead of God and you saw where God was moving and then you jumped ahead of where he was and then all of a sudden realized that you weren't with them at all, we've done that. We've gotten ahead. There's a difference between readiness to move and eagerness to get ahead in life. We don't want to get ahead of where God is going. So Joshua told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, you know the stories that come, and we're getting to the point where they walk around the city of Jericho a whole bunch of times. They blow some trumpets and some random horns, and the walls come tumbling down, and they take the city. But before that happened, Joshua looked at the people, and he said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word consecrate in Hebrew scripture is kadash, and it literally means to dedicate, to be set apart, to be holy, it's literally get ready to be used by God. Get ready to be used by God. Present yourself, dedicate yourself, get ready. Shatim wood, acacia wood, it's a hard word to say, acacia. It's a thorny, twisty, hard, thin, stubborn wood, tree branches. And you look and you think, of of all the different types of vegetation, of all the different types of trees, Lord, couldn't you have picked an easier material for us to work with? Sometimes I wonder if he sits back and thinks the same thing about us. Because we're hard-headed, we're kind of thorny, twisted, ridiculous people. 
And yet the great God of this universe chooses to set us apart and use us for his glory. Acacia wood is also known to have some sort of psychoactive alkaloid, a hallucinogen inside so that when you burn it, it does crazy things. That's us. What do you do under pressure? What do you do under fire? What's real difficult and crazy and just what in the world is going on in my life about you? If God can call his people to take hard, thorny, twisted tree branches, it's because he takes hard, thorny, twisted people and finds a way to use it. Consecrate, dedicate, be set apart, be holy. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word amazing things, it's the Hebrew word palah, and it literally means wonders. It means wonderful. It means extraordinary. It means surpassing. It means beyond one's power. Beyond one's power. For the longest time um, at Rolling Hills, the way that we moved from the movie theater and to the warehouse building that we call Home in Franklin was this whole campaign of everybody doing their part called Wildest Dreams. Because we knew that God could do far more than we ever thought about. And the next campaign to finish it out and to make sure that we were ready to move to the next step was this idea of immeasurably more. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Paula, amazing things, wonders, it's not just crazy good things. It's surpassing things beyond our wildest dreams, immeasurably more than anything that we can even think about on our own kinds of things. That's what God is wanting to do. And if you go back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, more than we ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work within us. See, I think we're comfortable with the idea that God can do miracles, that God can literally speak and creation came into existence, that God can literally speak and waters can part, that God has this cosmic arsenal of power. He can say to mountains move and those mountains, they end up moving, that he literally speaks and it happens. He can heal people with a word or a touch. Like we're comfortable with the idea that God has that kind of power. We're comfortable with the idea that his son Jesus has that kind of power. But this immeasurably more amazing things kind of power is in proportion to the power that is at work within us. See, God doesn't just want to do amazing things out there in the world, impressive things on his own. He wants to do amazing things in us and through us. The amazing things that God wants to do for us and in us, they always offer opportunities for others to know God. They always offer opportunities for others to know God. If you pick back up in Joshua chapter 3, starting with verse 7, you read these words. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. Why? Why is he going to put Joshua up on a pedestal? Why is he going to exalt Joshua to this position of trusted leadership in the community? Here's why. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Anytime God does something good in you, it's so that others can see him. And if the thing that God is doing in you causes others to see you, you have to sit back and question whether or not you're responding in the right way to the thing that God is doing because it's never, ever about us. God said, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel. Why? So that they can think you're awesome, Joshua. No, so that they can see that I am with you. 
as I was with Moses. He tells the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, if you go back in the book of Exodus, you remember that when they were running out of Egypt, that Pharaoh changed his mind at the last minute and that he began to chase the people that he had previously freed. And as those chariots got closer, the people got scareder and they ended up on the bank of the water and Moses stuck his staff in the air. And before the people ever touched their toe in the sand, God parted those waters so that they could cross over on dry ground. And you know what happened after? As soon as they had made it across safely and the Egyptian chariots had come into the water, it crashed back down and those guys drowned. God rescued his people, but this is different because before these waters parted, God called his people to put their feet in the water. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And so Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. This is how you're going to know. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. It says, now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So as soon as they stepped in the water, that's when the waters parted. You see, amazing things for us and in us, they're always going to have opportunities for other people to know and to recognize that God is with us, but they're also always going to offer evidence for us and those others to trust God. The outcome of people seeing God visible in our life ought to be us trusting him more and them beginning to trust him too. Y'all, this is that mm mm-hmm moment. And I don't know what kind of person Joshua was. Like we can sit here and read evidence of his life to think that he was a really good dude. But if I was in his shoes that day, I would have been saying, "Mm mm-hmm, told y'all so. Because you see, 40 years before, Moses had appointed Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies to go into this region and to imagine what it would be like to possess that region, to scout out the land and to come back and to give a report. And only two of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a favorable, we can trust God report. The other 10 were like, the people who are there are big. The people who are there are organized. The people who are there have weapons. The people who are there are strong in their cities. We cannot do it. And so because of those 10 and their lack of faith, God punished the people and made them wander around for decades more until that whole generation had died out moved on, never seeing the promise that God had fulfilled or would fulfill before them. And only Joshua and only Caleb would be alive when they finally took the land. So here he is looking out at his people. Hey guys, God's going to prove himself today. God's going to prove himself today. Come here, listen to the words of the Lord and your God, this is how he's going to show you that he will fulfill his promises. He is certainly gonna do it. Told y'all so. Told y'all decades ago that God could do this. How did they know? The word of the Lord. How did they know? The people were willing to follow and step into it. Sometimes people won't get to know that God is trustworthy because you've stayed back on the edge instead of stepping in and following God where he told you to go from the beginning. 
So, so the water parts and Israel is able to cross this water again. Now the Jordan, it says in scripture, is at flood stage during this time. Now there would have been a time of year where they could have easily crossed the Jordan and just got barely ankle wet. It's like wading around in a creek looking for crawdads or frogs or whatever other kind of animals you want to use and it would have been completely fine. But at flood stage, you would have literally been swimming across. How in the world did they do it? God parted the waters. And so it, as soon as the priest, it says in verse 15, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. The miracle of the Jordan, it, it certainly illustrates the power of God. It's his promise and it's his presence, but it also illustrates the faithful obedience of people. Their faithful obedience is their individual. You're an individual, I'm an individual. But also their collective. We're a family. We're a body of believers. Their collective trust. What do you see ahead for the, the life that you're living? What do you see on the horizon for this church that we're a part of? None of us, we've continued to say this throughout 2020, none of us would have guessed, none of us would have imagined, none of us would have thought that we would be sitting in this incredible room that God gave us, in this incredible piece of promise that we prayed for, sitting socially distanced and wearing our masks. You could have asked us a million times over the first 19 years of marriage. And Susan and I never would have imagined signing our kids up to go to church to make sure there weren't too many. I did preschool children and student ministry for over a decade of my life and hoped and prayed every single week that it would have been high attendance Sunday. Break the approved caps from the fire marshal. Let's burn this building down and build a new one. We want all the children to come. And yet now we go online and we register to make sure that there is room and that there is space and that it's completely safe. Never would we have imagined any of the things that we're walking through now. But regardless of whether or not we imagined it and regardless of whether or not we asked for it, you know, I think in some ways we did. Because we've asked God to show up. We've asked him to lead us. We've asked for him to right some of the ills that are in our world. We've asked him to use us as a way for other people to see him and to know him and to trust him. And so in some ways, be careful what you ask for. Because the answer to that question seems to have been, I'm going to show you guys how to trust me. I'm going to show you guys how much you need me. I'm going to show you guys at, at, at the core what it's like to love your neighbor and to care for the weak and to show yourselves faithful in the middle of something that's incredibly difficult. What are the things that you now see on the horizon because of where we are today, knowing that God wants us to see him? Maybe it starts with us presenting ourselves to him. Hey, we're here. We're willing we trust you. We'll go where you say go. We will do what you say do. 
We will be a part of this no matter how difficult it is. And we will engage whoever we have to engage at whatever point we have to engage them in order to show them your son, Jesus. We present ourselves before you today, God, saying that we are ready to move and we will follow closely to where you go, being careful to not get ahead no matter how long the journey is and no matter how bloody our feet get, we will take that step. So what do you see? And where are you willing to step? There might be wild dogs along the way. But we do have an opportunity to do something great. Something great that blesses others for generations to come. And the reward, as we'll see, not after 14 days of quarantine, but the reward that we'll see, just like little Romeo, it, it, it will be worth it. I do think that the story is true, even the bits and parts and pieces of it, because you can actually go online and watch the video of him running through this beautiful little English cottage courtyard to see his grandmother standing at the steps. And then there's a photograph of him and his dad and granny at the end that you can look at online. The reward, he would say, was worth it. I think Israel would say that it was worth it. I think Joshua would say that it was worth it. So how dedicated are we? How dedicated are we to the amazing things that God wants to do? And how powerful is the God that is in us who can accomplish those amazing things? What is it that we're waiting for to, to take that step? We are to consecrate ourselves and to get ready to be used. A lot of times we, we use the, the thorny, difficult, hard parts of our stories, awkward parts of our personalities, hard-headed realities of who we are as excuses. We're not ready to be used by God. I'm too addicted to be used by God. I'm too evil to be used by God. I'm too sinful to be used by God. I'm too scared to be used by God. I think that's why God used Shittim would to show us that no matter hard and thorny and how, how, how twisted and, and, and messed up we are, God can set us apart and use us. And so I kind of say to us as a church that, that we got to step into the water that we gotta step out on faith, that we've gotta expect God to do a new thing and a different thing and a powerful thing and an amazing thing because of his power that is at work within us. Granny Rosemary's not getting any younger. And she's been out there alone. And so her grandson enacted the journey in order to see her. I think there's part of the journey that God wants us to enact, not so that we can see him, but so that others can. And not just so that others can see him, but so that others can trust him. This is our wildest dream. This is immeasurably more than anything that we could ask for or imagine. This is for his incredible kingdom. And this is what it looks like for us to finish strong. We gotta put our toe in, even if we don't feel ready only because we've seen him move and we want to follow him. I think God has a next step for you. 
Maybe it's baptism like we talked about earlier today. We've got an information class next week that's going to prep you. And I do believe 100% I've seen it hundreds of times over the past 20 years. I've seen people say, I'm not ready to get baptized. I got some work that I need to do beforehand. That's the essence of why you need to be baptized. Because it's not about the work that you're doing. It's about the next step that you're willing to take because you recognize the work that God has already done. Maybe it's serving on a Sunday morning. Mercy knows we've got opportunities because of the kids that are registering and because of the neighbors that we see coming. There are ways that people can serve and engage this part of our community. We have an event next Sunday that hopes to gather together people socially distanced in the parking lot so that we can meet our neighbors and little kids in costumes getting candy because you know what season it is, hoping that we'll get to invite some families to come and be a part of what God's doing here. And I do believe that seeing us step out there into the parking lot, not in the water because if it rains, we're going to cancel, but stepping out into the parking lot, trusting that when people see it, somehow or another, what they're really going to see is God and trust him. What's that next step of faith, of obedience, of generosity, of sacrifice that you're going to present yourself to God for, that you're going to see him move and be willing to follow in his steps? It could be a long journey, You could face wild dogs. You certainly face a wild world out there. And your feet may get bloody along the way. But I think that God's going to do something that is worth it when we are willing to follow him. Would you pray with me today? Thank you, God, for the chance to be in this place and to, to go over these words And to know that these stories mattered thousands of years ago and that they also matter today. To believe and to know and trust that God, you are calling us to be a people who will move because you say move. Who will go where you say go. Who will sacrifice whatever we have in order to see you better, in order to show others who you are. Father, I pray this morning for the person in the room who's sitting there counting their thorns. Who knows how twisted the branches of their story are. Who knows the difficulty that they've walked in life, somehow believing the lies of the enemy that they cannot be used by you to do amazing things. Lord, would you remove that fear? Would you remove that obstacle? And would you ready us for the incredible journey ahead of the incredible things that you yourself want to do? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray blessings on this day and on all the places that we might go together. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. Thanks for listening. We're thankful for you.